Hello and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I'm Ashley Nickel with the Packer and PMG, and today we bring you two conversations. The first is an interview between our editor-in-chief, Tom Karst, and Amanda Griffin, Vice President of Education and Program Management for the United Fresh Produce Association. As folks listening to this podcast probably know, United usually has its annual conference and expo in June, and this year it was slated to be in Los Angeles, so it couldn't happen as scheduled due to the pandemic, but part of what United is doing instead is hosting a slate of 25 education sessions across five topic tracks in the month of June. So Tom talked with Amanda about what folks can expect from that programming. The second conversation you'll hear today is with Michael Shutt, Director of Produce and Floral for Rayleigh's. With summer coming right up, we talked about point of sale material, online groceries, seasonal produce, and more. So without further ado, we'll send you first over to Tom and Amanda. This is Tom Carson, editor of the Packer, and I'm visiting with Amanda Griffin of United Fresh, Vice President of Education and Programming at United Fresh. Amanda, good to see you. Thanks, Tom, for having me today. And we were we've been talking about the reimagined series of conversation, innovation, all coming up. Exciting time to uh, to unveil, boy, lots of days of programming for <laughs> from United for the industry. So, give us some highlights of what's coming up. Sure. Yeah, we're very excited to roll out the reimagined conversations, which, as you said, is a lot of content taking place during the month of June. So we will have for for the entire month, we'll have five different education tracks that we'll offer, and among those tracks, there will be five different sessions. So uh, a total of twenty five education content pieces that we will. Um, offer during that month and we do avoid holidays so there are some days where there are a couple where there's two a day but the concept was to offer something a day for everybody um, throughout that month that's amazing and so a lot of uh, opportunity to tune in for people that are interested in a specific track like food safety or marketing or what have you and um, this is a paid event but there's some uh, opportunities for companies to to give value to their uh, to their staff as well. Tell, tell us about what, what that will look like. Yeah, so as you said, it's a paid event. So you can purchase it by the track and pay for all five sessions for a particular track. Or as an individual, you could do the all access and, and buy all 25 sessions. But as you mentioned, we do have a company all access uh, purchase this year. And what's neat about that is it allows for a company to buy all in and give access to all of their staff the sessions for the entire month. So um, we haven't done something like this before, but at, we're receiving some positive feedback on a nice offering to show staff that you're invested in their um, development. And the, the virtual event will also have some networking opportunities, right? Yeah, so as, as you know, throughout the year, we've all flipped to virtual events and whatnot. And so uh, one of the things that we found at United by flipping Washington Conference, Brandstorm, Refresh, and all of those is that the sessions that resonate the most with the folks that dial in are the ones that have not only the content piece on the front end, but then that interactive breakout piece on the tail end that allows for the attendees to actually interact with the content they just learned with a guided host in that breakout room. And really not only um, to share their own best practices, but really to meet some new folks as we're all still sitting at our desks, but hopefully that's changing soon and we get to get back to being in person. But for now, we do have that interaction piece on the tail end of these. That's right. 
And I also wanted to mention reimagine innovation, right? That's also coming up. What's the time frame for that? And what is that about? What do you, how would you yeah. describe that? Yeah, so reimagine innovations is separate than the 25 education content piece, but a very similar concept. And we thought through this as we figured out that the virtual trade show piece and the in-person trade show piece wasn't going to move forward this year. And we were trying to figure out a way to engage with our current exhibitors, as well as anybody else who might be interested. And we created some limited opportunities for folks to secure a time slot between the month of June, July, and August to uh, present content to the audience. So these are free sessions for folks to sign up for to attend. And it really allows for folks to either roll out a new product and have us promote the entire session, deal with the registration, and then also from a company standpoint, we will help to put on the session and virtually produce it. So um, we are actually 50% sold out on that option. So it seems to be resonating with folks. Now that will be recorded ahead of time. Will there be any live element to that or will that mainly be recorded ahead of time? It will mainly be live actually. Oh, so yeah. there might be some companies that may choose, but we are, we're offering up that, that breakout piece that I mentioned as well to allow mm -hmm. for them to get to know the audience as well, if it fits within the structure of what they want to present. Um, so we are, we are actually pushing a little bit more to have that live element so that they can be present with the attendees as well. Mm -hmm. And then we would just virtually run it for them so that they can be present with the folks. And that'll be also in June, would you say, or is that? July and August. So we July have opportunities yep, in all three of those months. Um, and folks are picking their dates now. We've got select dates. And Erin Hutchison on our, our staff is managing and running the sales process for that. So she's, I know, having a ton of conversations. So it's exciting to see those resonate. Yeah. Well, very nice. Well, I, and I, I can't help but ask you about that fish on the, on the walls. <laughs> Let's hear oh, about the that. tarpon. <laughs> yeah. So this fish um, showed up at my doorstep after my husband came back from a fishing trip with his father off the coast of Georgia. So um, I had no idea what to do with it and where to put it. But after um, it showed up after we were already knee deep into COVID and I figured why not have a conversation piece about me <laughs> while we're doing all these education sessions and Zoom sessions and meetings. So um, that is the tarpon. We call him Herschel. And uh, he will be behind me in every session. <laughs> that's, that's really fun. Well, Amanda, good to visit about that. And uh, great to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. That was Tom's interview with Amanda about reimagined conversations from United Fresh. Now we'll take you over to my conversation with Rayleigh's Director of Produce and Floral, Michael Shutt. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Morning, Ashley. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Really, really good. It's uh, it's been a it's been a busy year, as as you know from, from some of our previous conversations. Um, and it seems that we have not let off the let off the gas, and now uh, now we have seasonality to throw into the mix to to keep us even even more busy. So it's outstanding. Well, as you know, Michael, a couple of the topics that I've been looking at for the, the next issue of our magazine, uh, we've seen a lot of great, well, especially this winter, I think, and particularly in Citrus, we saw a lot of great contest opportunities and different things. And of, of course, we know a lot of grower shippers invest in point of sale material, you know, to try and uh, give that option to their retail customers. And I know there's also two schools of thought on this, right? There are folks who really like, you know, that clean floor policy. And then there's another group that says, hey, you know, if, if you're making this, bring it on. You know, where do you where do you fall in that spectrum? 
I wish I had a, a hard and fast answer for you on this. I think that, you know, we're a little bit, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I guess we talk out of both sides of our mouth. So it's really on a case by case basis, you know, but I think the, the, the one hard and fast rule that we, that we have or that we employ at least with, with produce specific is, is we want the product to be the star of the show. And so that's really the, that's the customer facing piece of it. And so, you know, any of the POS material and, and uh, things like that needs to be a little bit more muted and, and something that's really just pushing, you know, pushing the product out front first. Um, some of the things that I wondered, and I'll probably, uh, I'll probably regret saying this because it'll show my age, but um, something I think we've all experienced um, during the, during the pandemic is I think everybody's gone to a restaurant where, um, you've used a QR reader to be able to pull up the menu. But as an industry, we saw QRs kind of come and go as quickly as, as they came. And I thought, you know, now that everybody has a different level of usage and maybe comfortability, is that something that might kind of become retro and uh, allow you to go into the produce department and, and click on a, maybe a smaller POS material, but get a deeper dive into maybe a grower story or a shipper story without having all of that in your face at the point of sale? So I don't know. It's a great question. Well, and I think the that the way that technology has evolved too, because if I remember correctly, when it first came out, you had to have an app on your phone to use it, right? And now it's just, you open your camera, which, you know, if you got a smartphone, you got a camera on there, you know, <laughs> and it makes Absolutely. it a lot more, uh, more, well, we always talk about seamless and frictionless, you know, that, that process of trying to get people to, to take any action, right? Like, that, that opens the door a lot, I would think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, to circle back to your question, I don't think that we have a, we have a defined policy. And as long as it's, is, it makes sense for what we're trying to accomplish with the, with the campaign, and we don't have too, too much other noise going on within, within the department so that every shipper isn't represented, um, then yeah, if and it has to be it has to be timely and relevant as well. So it's something that's going to go up for a for a structured period of time and then and then come down. So, mm -hmm. and when you guys use that, what do you, what kind of information or what kind of messaging do you find to be most helpful? Is it the grower story? Is it recipes? Is it you know pro like product characteristics? What makes the most sense? Do you think for the shopper? I think, uh, you know, I think that as as an industry where we see um, local really almost trumping organic in importance to the next generation and food transparency as a whole, I think whenever we can we can talk about that, that story and, and have a little bit more, uh, I don't know if social responsibility is the right thing, but really just letting them know where their food is coming from and that this is, you know, this is drilling back to a farmer and not a, you know, not a lab or a, you know, a manufacturer per se. I think that those, those are always great opportunities. And if it's something unique or, you know, different or new, then absolutely usage should be, should be part of that conversation so that the customer is leaving the, um, leaving the brick and mortar or the, or the online portal, they're leaving with the best possible experience. Gotcha. Well, the other, the other topic, Michael, I wanted to talk to you about a little bit was obviously we've seen online grocery usage explode in the last year. But I'm curious how, I, I know for most folks, it's, it's leveled off to some degree, you know, since since the crazy days of, of last year, of course. But uh, how big of a role is that that playing now for you guys? 
Um, I, I agree. And I think our, our business probably echoes that of that of uh, other like retailers and that it has leveled off. We're not getting run over to the same degree. But in that same conversation is the amount of, of stickiness. And that's, you know, how much how much we're going to retain and how much confidence we've built with our customer base um, over this unfortunate event. And so with that, we're still seeing um, a large amount of fresh being incorporated into these shops and, and the customer confidence with the people in the store doing that selection process and being trained properly and, and adhering to, you know, it's very customizable. So adhering to what the customer is really looking for in their personalized shop. Um, so I, th- I see a lot of this, this retention, um, both, you know, I think that we're going to see some stickiness across our entire industry as people have gotten a little more intimate with their, with their, with the food that they're taking in, um, with their purchases, maybe getting more familiar with where their pots and pans are in the kitchen again. So, um, I think that, uh, retail is, is going to see a lot of that kind of stay with us for, for a period of time, um, and maybe it, for, maybe it will it will stay for longer than that. And I think the online piece for produce is going to is going to stay um, with a level above where we had it before as well. I my, using my own experiences as uh, you know kind of the the incubator. You know I would I wouldn't purchase meat or produce online per se prior to prior to the pandemic. And now it's kind of been my own little case study to see if I can get, if I can really get my needs met. And if, mm-hmm. if our shoppers in, in Rayleigh's family of stores are actually listening to, you know, my preferences when they're making those, those shops for me. And because I, I now feel with some, some confidence because I'm a tactile person. I want to go in and touch it and smell it. And, and um, so now somebody else is doing that process for me and I really don't have any complaints. And I think that probably I'm not the, I'm not the minority in this. So yeah, I think, I think we'll, it's a percentage of it's going to be here to stay. Gotcha. And do I remember correctly? Was it about a year ago that we talked about you guys were doing your first dark store to help fulfill those orders? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so we're getting a lot of learnings from the model. Um, we're learning, you know, and how, how that model could be scalable in some of our other markets. Um, wanting to see, you know, how quickly the the air could potentially come out of the balloon with regards to with regards to e-commerce and and it being like directly related to pandemic as we just spoke of, but um, we feel that we've worked out a lot of the kinks and now this is this is a model that we could we could pull forward if we find the the market that we that we need to uh, fulfill. So. What do you think? I don't know if this is a question that's even possible to answer, but what do you think is the time frame to start to, um, you know, feel like you have enough non-pandemic data to kind of make those decisions about, okay, do we want a dark store over here? Do we want one over here? You know, how do you separate that, that demand or how long do you wait to see if it, you know, goes down more or, you know, stays pretty high? Like, how, yeah, that's, how a, that's a really that? interesting interesting uh question on how you kind of decipher any data right now and be able to extract what's what's real and what's still you know possibly you know inflated and i think you know the 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 easy answer is time will time will allow for it to to all kind of settle settle out um you know the summertime when people are typically out more I think that this will give us a lot of insight to, you know, the level of comfortability and what, you know, what maybe the business model looks like going forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, if, if 
things open back up, especially in the state of California, if things open back up in earnest, um, that'll that'll give us an immediate look at what our business could you know could look like you know going forward. That makes sense. And then uh, remind me, do you all fulfill internally, or do you guys work with a third party to help with some of that pickup and delivery? So, you know, our, our original model, when we first kind of, you know, waded into this, into this palm was just click and collect, you know, go in, order your groceries online at 3am, pick your time to, to the wanted to come to the store call and we bring it out. Um, as we moved into the, you know, a full, you know, last mile delivery process, certainly during pandemic, um, it was kind of a hybrid. So we do, we do have, we do have some of the, the, the Instacart type business, but a lot of what we're, you know, what we're doing is, is all the selection and the same thing that you would, you would do for e-cart. It's being selected in store by store level employees that are trained with, you know, the kind of, you know, tribal experience of working in a grocery store um, and then having the delivery process take place um, from third party to the, to the actual customer. Gotcha, gotcha. And then a, a lot of folks I've, I've spoken with say that, you know, uh, online grocery and produce has come a long way, of course, but but see see a lot of room for, for growth still. It, what's kind of the, the involvement for you in terms of, you know, assortment and presentation in that online space? Is, is that um, something that, that you're involved in or is that more of a marketing thing or, or how do you guys structure that? Yeah, so... I don't know if I'm hearing your, your question totally correctly, but I'll give you two different answers that will kind of hopefully pull the whole thing together. So I, I believe that it starts with um, myself and my team making sure that we are we're, we have the right um, we have the right information online for the shop to begin. Um, so if we can't if we don't start upstream there um, to make sure that that's that's complete and accurate, then the shop is never going to be the experience we want for the customer then the, the role being taken at the store. And oftentimes this probably isn't the, the most uh, cost-effective way, but it is the way for the, for the um, customer to ultimately have the best experience is to have the produce team in the store help train the people that are doing the selection for the fresh items. So, you know, if, uh, if a customer wants a, a ripe avocado, you know, having the, having the produce team help, help train the selectors on what, what ripe means, what's, mm-hmm. what's ripe for today, what's ripe for tomorrow, you know, and those kind of things, or, you know, a color stage on a banana. So it really is twofold. My team upstream to make sure that what we're putting out there for the customer to, to preview is correct. And then making sure that that last mile, that, that piece that's happening in store is delivering on that customer experience. Gotcha. And I know um, a lot of times when we talk about in-store versus online, like cross-merchandising and, you know, generating those impulse sales is, is something that comes up a lot. Is, is that something you guys have, have tackled in the online space or is that one of those things that is, is ahead still? I think there's still a lot of room to, to, um, to play in that arena because, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of our pillars are built off our something extra program, which is, which is um, a retention program as opposed to an acquisition program. So if you're, if you're familiar with our, with our program, if you're a member and what you always come in and buy is, 
a certain flavor of a chip or a indulgent or a soda, um, we're never going to offer you a deal on the direct competitor of that soda that, you know, we want to listen to what your purchases are and instead incentivize you better on retaining you for the purchases that you buy. So we would give you direct discounts or offers on the things that you purchase. And so going back to your original question, it makes it a little bit a little bit more of a, of a struggle to go, okay, what's the, what's the equitable way to reach to these people for the, for an online cross merchandising without, you know, making them think that we're not listening to what their purchasing hierarchy is. I gotcha. That makes sense. It's, it's easier. It seems more straightforward almost to tackle these things in the store than it is online sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, absolutely. Once we have them in there, we can put all kinds of things in front of them and they still can, they can still um, make their, uh, their preferences known with their shopping dollar. Mm -hmm. But online, it's still, you know, it's still something where it's a little bit murky for, for me. So more to come though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's end on, on a fun question here. What are the big kind of seasonal things or events or different things you guys have coming up in the next month or so you're excited about? I, I tell you, we are um, we I feel like every time we, we speak, I'm catching my breath from something. And <laughs> so if you if you've seen the if you've seen the trade. Uh, most recently, we've we've taken existing two of our existing stores um, in in really nice areas, and we've transitioned them to our Rayleigh's One brand that now uh, mimics the assortment that we have up in our Truckee store. And so um, that was a that was a Herculean lift by by the entire by my team and certainly the rest of the store um, to transition a store in five days. Whoa. So. With the with the uh, seasonality of everything coming in that excitement, we're really excited to for the entire Rayleigh's family of brands to see what these stores do because they were known they were known commodities and to see how they're received by these uh, these customers that were walking into a regular Rayleigh shop you know two weeks ago and now they're getting an entirely new better for you shopping experience. So everybody to a man is really excited to see the learnings from that. Um, certainly with the warm weather coming and not having any late rain for the, you know, for the California cherry crop, we're excited for that. Um, Mother's Day and Mexican Mother's Day are right around the corner. Um, for Rayleigh's floral has been comping about 20% over the last uh, 12 weeks because when the pandemic first came, floral was one of the first departments to kind of get shuttered and we needed to reallocate that labor to other departments. So floral has enjoyed such a renaissance as people are working, you know, working from home. That's their office. That's their, that's their space for so many things. They want to beautify it. And so floral has been, has been a key, um, a key category getting shopped uh, during this time. So really excited to see where, you know, where that's going to go. And then everything that, you know, that's potentially on the, on the horizon, looks like we have a pretty good stone fruit season in front of us and weather has been pretty favorable. So yeah, all the things that really kind of bring, I look at the the seasonality for produce really, you know, that Memorial to Labor Day where it gets really fun and people are cooking more with fresh and it's, you know, it brings everything outdoor. And so, yeah, this is, this is always an exciting time for produce. Awesome. Well, Michael, anything else that's uh, that's top of mind for you here as we get ready to head into summer? We'll see. Uh, we'll see the next time we talk if I have any other uh, any other little uh, tidbits to share. But you know, uh, 
with with Rayleigh's, we are we are certainly not resting on our laurels, and we're constantly pushing the envelope of of change, and and that can that could look different tomorrow than it than it does today. So I look forward to the next time I can share something with you when we talk. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time, and like you said, we'll talk again here down the line. All right, Ashley. Happy Friday. <laughs> happy Friday to you. So that will wrap us up for today. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next time on our Tip of the Iceberg podcast.